Welcome to Punning on Empty, the pop culture podcast where the pun comes first. Each week, join two averagely well-informed people as we take a trip through the back alleys of culture in a desperate attempt to decide what's worth paying attention to and what's not. Don't forget to visit punningonempty.com to nominate a pun for future episodes. Hello! Hello! Hi, hi. welcome to Punning on Empty with her, Jana. <laughs> and him, Jamie. So what what have you been, uh, what culture have you been consuming this week, Jana? I, th- I would say my reading's been a bit more highbrow than my TV watching, which has been quite lowbrow. Right. I've been doing a lot of um, admin, so I've been exploring the series Emily in Paris on Netflix. Oh yes, I hear it. I hear and that. Uh... I've also been getting through Selling Sunset. So those two are, I would say, you know, quite basic. I'm not really watching much new stuff at all because during lockdown two, we made the decision to watch the entirety of the office, US office from the start. And there are about 300,000 episodes of that. So there's just not, there's no real room around the edge of that to do anything new. But I will be starting The Crown, obviously. Oh, don't talk to me about The Crown. I'm sorry, I'm not having this. So many people are like, oh, I don't like The Crown. I don't like the royal family. No, but also, like, it's more that every day at the moment on Instagram, I just have to put up with all these posts of Princess Diana was such a style icon. Here are 150 of her best looks. It just annoys me so much. It's just, I don't want, I mean, no, I don't like the royal family. I don't want to watch her and Charles's, like, no, yeah, I don't want to watch her. I just, I, I, but I just, no one, it's, it's, the people don't do that with other things. They're not like, I don't believe in organised crime and therefore, actually, probably you don't want to watch Sopranos because you're like, it's violent, I don't want to watch no, it. No, I have started The Sopranos, but no, for Princess Diana, it's more, um, I feel like I live, you know I mean, we live through it. So I'm just yeah. like, everyone went mad already once at her dying. I don't like this sort of second examination of her legacy because I just feel, okay, f- oh yeah, I don't want to get into it. Fine. I just think she was the princess of hearts and uh, <laughs> of our hearts. She's the princess of our hearts and how dare you. But also, I mean, we were just talking about this. I don't want it to come across that I'm mean to everyone. The only thing I'm interested about in The Crown is Scully as Margaret Thatcher. I'm like, fine, that's interesting. Yeah. I think it's good casting. And like, in, the tra- have... in the trailer, she is doing, um, she's doing good acting. <laughs> so I'm like, fine. But I'm... apart from that, you know. I'll tell you what I'm over, though. I'm over people going, oh, I don't know what to do. I find Thatcher sexy. Oh. oh I hate no. I'm, I'm not enjoying that as a sort of meme at the moment. Oh, no. oh I oh. know she was a terrible woman, but oh. Yeah, well, this, well, exactly. So this is why we shouldn't make dramas out of it. That is not the, that's not the conclusion to draw. Um, yeah, all right. I think we well, should yeah. keep it. So you're watching The Crown. Fine. Any no, books? I will. I haven't yet, but I will do. I when will you do. watch The Crown, I won't talk to you that week. I refuse. I mean, I very much... All, you'll all be like, oh, The Crown, it's really good. I just... It is very... It's objectively brilliant television. I mean, it's like, it's bonkers to just discount it. Um, you know, especially when uh, everything else, you embody the spirit of Diana in your life. <laughs> I just, I mean, I just remember at the time we were all like, why is everyone going mad about Princess Diana? 
I just feel like if you were a cool teenager, you wouldn't want to watch The Crown. Well, I remember getting in from a, a party or something, uh, quite rare for me at that point in my life. And I got woken up like momentarily by my mum saying Princess Diana's died in Paris. And then we all, obviously, we all got on the train uh, down to Buckingham Palace, um, bought some flowers on the way. And, um, and, and, and we spent the next it. week I know you just there, just, just being with the people, just because you have to, didn't you? You know, it's one of those moments when you just, it's, you just felt like you had to be there. It, like, I remember it was the same on um, Dunkirk. I remember when Dunkirk happened and we all, we all just went and, and helped out. We chipped in. Um, it's, it's similar. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, look, I think we should do, I think we should do an episode on the crown. I absolutely refuse. I will do an episode on the, on the crown without having watched any of it. And just with my opinion of the royal family. I'm just going to let you into a little secret. I thought that the film Downfall, brilliant film. I'm very, very, I don't like Nazis. Big, big, a bit anti-Nazi, me. I think you can enjoy drama predicated on a sort of structure and a, and a, and a sort of power dynamic and stuff. You don't need to buy into supporting the power dynamic to find the drama. I mean, for God's sake, you watch Game of Thrones, which is about royal power structures and they're posh they're just from a different planet but they're not real and they're not still yeah. alive uh oh my god i mean it's the same no it's not in any way downfall and watch it no because we don't need any more fucking films about the war so yeah i would completely argue that there's no use you shouldn't watch downfall all right we don't need any more films about the war we don't need we don't need tv series about the royal family if they didn't have that downfall meme where he's making that speech in the bunker, how would they lampoon contemporary political moments? Well, like having him go like, the COVID, COVID track and trace isn't working. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you know what? Maybe people would actually have a constructive conversation instead of just having a meme shorthand for things. Well, I, I disagree. I think the Crown is event television. I think Princess Diana is the queen of our hearts and I think you are a big giant meanie. Uh, and on, now on with the show. The, this, this week, uh, a good man is hardy to find. Hello and welcome to A Good Man is Harder to Find. <laughs> the podcast where we <laughs> take a deep dive well, actually, that's the name of the podcast. How did we interpret it? That's probably where we should start. I interpreted A Good Man is Hardy to Find as a, a review of Tom Hardy's films and the fact that he never, ever plays a good man. He's always a crim. I, I would take issue with that. He's always yeah. a crim or a gangster or something. I mean, he, there's mm. one... There's one, there's literally one film where he's like a goodie. Oh, it's a very simplistic way of looking at the career of Tom Hardy. <laughs> I think you're fine. Uh, I mean, I, yeah. I also, I, uh, I thought we should look at the, the full career of Tom Hardy, the parts he's played, and the relationship with goodness. But I think I just found a far more nuanced and complex <laughs> um, outcome from looking at those films. What was our, our, our big, you know, takeaway from a lot of watching a lot of Thomas Hardy films in quick succession? Thomas Hardy, sorry, Tom, sorry, I can call him Tom. <laughs> That's fine. Um, 
Well, yeah, so when I look at his filmography since Black Hawk Down, I mean, there's just... He's done so many films, and I just haven't seen any of them. I'm just, And I'm not interested in seeing any of them, because he's either, like I said, a crim, a gangster, he's on his own talking to himself in a car. I. It's just... He's... He's, look, he look, he's doing a weird on. version of Capone. You, this is all just wait, stuff wait. that I don't want to see. You so can't, you, you know, can't, you can't say he's done a load of films at the same. Yeah, he's done a lot of gangster films. That's true. He has played a lot of memories. Like, oh, maybe. Oh, what happens if I break your legs now? I think there are. When you go through the filmography of Tom Hardy, you can see him making different sorts of choices again and again and again with the sorts of parts that he wants to play. Uh, and I think that often he's very good. I came away from rewatching a load of the films that he's in, just thinking, I really like him. Oh, I think I think no, he's great. I, I, I like, basically I, am just like, no, I appreciate, like, I appreciate that. You know, he really considers himself a real actor. He really throws himself into the parts. He's trying to choose things that are unusual, but ultimately those aren't films that like I choose to watch. Apart from, obviously, I absolutely love Inception. First time I ever saw him. I mean, I love Bane. That was the first um, time you ever saw Tom Hardy was Inception. Well, that was 2010. I mean, he wasn't in that much like before. Um, and then I, the film that I chose to rewatch because I still wasn't interested in seeing anything else was that I watched the whole of This Means War. Yeah, and we just watched Venom. <laughs> and we just watched Venom. But the, This Means War is just absolutely hilarious. And I just think it's really funny um, that sort of he is a, he is a bit of a twat in interviews. He does take himself quite seriously. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, but you did do you a did film this where more. with Chris Pine, where you're both spying and, and using the whole of the CIA's Just technology to, to spy on Reese Witherspoon. Sort of so I'm like, you know, your, yeah. I think well, he can get off his high horse a bit, basically. But also, okay, so... And I love Mad Max, Fury Road. Obviously, yeah. Um, but yeah. he was definitely a real, real twat during the filming of that. And obviously it was a very difficult shoot, so I read the whole of the oral history. <laughs> and he, you know, him and Charlize Theron had a very famous falling out. They didn't get on, on at all during oh, the filming I of it. Oh, they didn't. And, yeah. Like, they absolutely hated each but other. But that's good. That's good for the energy of the scenes. It's good yeah. for the, you know, their past. But so, then they sort of came out and they were like, it, obviously no one knew what was going on. No one knew, like, the genius, like, vision of, like, George Miller. And they all just were in a really cold desert getting hypothermia. And it was awful. So I don't think it was like the best environment. But I mean, I love Mad Max. Well, so watching... Okay, so I watched a few films, but I also watched a lot of clips. I watched a lot of like, oh, Tom Hardy's like best moments. And he, like Nicolas Cage, is an actor that inhabits that space where you go, is he good at acting? I genuinely don't know because he's, he's like... He's doing lots of accents. He's doing lots of loud and quiet. He's doing. Lo- <laughs> like, none you know, of his like, accents are good, though, are they? I, but no, but they're not. I mean, well, I think they're not good. But I feel like when he's not hitting an accent squarely, my response to that is to just go, "Oh, he's playing a, a part of a character who has a weird accent <laughs> that's a bit different." But like, so why like, do the this is what I don't get. I'm like, why do the directors let him do that? Like, so Mad Max, that he had to be dubbed in or everything dubbed in afterwards. At the time, weren't they just like? Well, hang on, that's unfair. Properly. 
Like, I don't understand. But with Bane it. too, that's because they put a massive mask on his face. That's not that he's got well, bad we, elocution. Well, or and like... I do feel like since coronavirus, I find it very hard to understand people in masks. So I have a lot more sympathy. Hang on, wait. Let me just like... put on my let me put on my Chrono mask. Hang on. Oh, Hannah, I cannot believe that you do not understand what I'm saying. But also, I do think that, like, it is it is the gift that keeps on giving is Tom Hardy... Doing a voice. He's got, like, cheat codes that he does in loads of his most successful films. Which, and also, um, what's the show that you like? The the Birmingham-y one with the... the Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders. He's doing the same thing Peaky Blinders. Like, I think he learnt quite early that... He can do menacing, so he can do quite like physically menacing. He looks like someone that any minute is just gonna fucking lose their shit and like beat someone to death with their own leg. So if it, if then in the middle of that he just sort of goes and takes it down and goes, oh, I found that very hurtful. Like that, you just kind of go amazing acting. I didn't expect that. I thought you were gonna be scary, but it turns out you've just got a little voice like that that you're doing. <laughs> Oh, who's Tom Hardy being a little quiet man? Well, you see, I haven't seen enough films where he plays a gangster to know that. I just know it from Peaky Blinders and, uh, yeah. I um, In Inception, I mean, I think that's his best role. He speaks lovely. He looks lovely. <laughs> he, speaks, you know I mean? he speaks lovely. He does. He does speak he does. lovely. He he's, speaks he's lovely. He's the person who basically is like, Inception can work if you do this. He's sort of like... He's the person that holds it all together. He has the together. best line in Inception. And he's sort of got all like, he's got the gravitas to the part. His hair is all lovely. He wears a nice suit. I think he should just play that all the time. I think. So that we're... is my good good man is hardy to find. Was that role. But I would say that overall, uh, watching, I mean, I'm not going to say I watched the majority of his performances, but I watched a few films and I also watched a lot of his, so you can watch a lot of Thomas Hardy's performances on clips on YouTube because mm. people have extracted it because they're like, he's the thing in the film yeah, that we want to watch. So I've not seen Dunkirk. I assume it's quite a big I budget. I refuse to watch it. I, well, I, yeah, and I, I get why you do. But his entire performance apparently is six minutes long and I've watched the entirety on YouTube videos. Well, I mean, it's good. Well, he's got a mask on, but he's, he is... Why has he got a mask on? Because he's a pilot in a Spitfire plane. Right. You know, he's like in a in a fighter... I don't know if it's Spitfire, but he's, in a, he's a fighter pilot. He's like... Arr, arr. Here I come, here I come, in, inbound, inbound, turn left, 180 degrees. So, like, again, it's Tom Hardy yeah, in a in mask, a mask like, doing a voice. Yeah. But isn't that more his voice? Because this is the other thing about him. It turns out he's actually really posh, isn't he? Is he really posh? He's from Hammersmith. He was born in Hammersmith. He's Gene, is what I read. Oh, he was born in Hammersmith, grew up. I don't think we can hold that against Tom Hardy because he has historically been some of the best scary sort of like London-y, Cockney, rough London people. Um, you know, he's not, at least he didn't go to Eton. <laughs> no, you know, but like I'm saying, lot, like... but it's like, you know, I it, I just find it a bit, you don't know what his accent is. It changed, and, he, and the way he explains it away in every interview, he just goes, oh, I pick up accents really easily. And so he's obviously just decided to always have, you know, more of a like rough Cockney accent rather I, than be, you know, I'm like, I can't trust someone who's not true to their roots. I just think you're jealous because you've not been able to lose this accent. I think that's what uh, this is about. I think you're like... Oh, I'm happy with my accent. He He's doing my accent. I wish I picked up accents. You know? I can't lose this Orpington twang. <laughs> he wishes that he had my accent. <laughs> then he wouldn't have to be fake all the time. It must be really hard work to be putting on an accent all the time. I don't think he's putting it on. I, do, I honestly think he like he he sort of he, all the interviews. I so I watched a load of interviews because 
weirdly, I think he's like, there's loads of YouTube videos where like, oh, it's Tom Hardy being a legend in interviews. And I think yeah. often his interviews are quite awkward. I think they're quite combative in a weird way where I don't understand the fight. Like there was that famous interview where someone asked him about his sexuality and he yeah. he kind of clapped back and punched back. And I was like, fine, I get that. That, that does feel like... I understand why totally why you would like push back on that and like like but like there's loads of ones where someone just like asks him a question like oh what did you what did you do to uh, hello excuse me Monsieur Hadi what did you do today and he's just like a bit of a rude dick back and I'm like I don't quite understand what battle he's winning so notes let's move on to notes do you want to start um well I I would just like to take you through the plot of This Means War because I think it's quite hilarious. Have you ever seen it? Yes. Oh, you've I, seen uh, it? I've, oh, okay. I've, I've seen it. Not only have I seen it, I have it down as one of my notes. Uh, in fact, okay, would you like me to read out my note that I made? What's your note? This Means War, dash, a romantic comedy with Tom Hardy, Reese Witherspoon and Chris Pine. It's genuinely terrible in a way that few films are, but weirdly compelling to watch. Like, they've tried to make a film in a very old-fashioned way that they used to, where they just bashed together a leading woman and two leading men and just sort of hoped the on-screen attractiveness and charisma would be enough. But it definitely isn't, because they clearly all hate each other so much. Oh, I don't think they hate each other. Like, I think um, Chris Pine and Tom Hardy actually, like, get along really well, and it's quite funny. Oh, it's funny. just Reese they hate. I mean... There's something poisonous at the heart of that She's just film. not that fun, is she? Angela Bassett's in it I as like as like the CIA boss. Yeah, it's the woman's fault. She's just not that fun. <laughs> I'm not saying it's her fault. I mean, you know, Chelsea Handler is the yeah. best friend. Well, though. Chelsea Handler's in it. Which that is, is a, that funny. is an odd. That's a really odd Because I'm like, role. why is she in a film like that in 2012? I was like, was she that famous? Then? But also, like, she's it's a really like this is the thing about that film is that it is. I think, are you going to tell me that you really enjoy it? Like it's like an... Un- no, what? there's uh, just some key points I'd like to talk about, basically. Uh, okay. One, which is Chris Pine lives under a swimming pool. Sorry. Which is hilarious. This is one of the, fi- the, the films that you, Tom Hardy films, that you chose to go into detail about. I mean, I haven't really got any other notes. Wait, I mean, as so- in, I'm just going to talk, I'm just generally talking about Tom Hardy, the things that I've read... And just some hilarious things that happened in that film that I watched, yeah. You were given the rubric, A Good Man is Hardy to Find, yeah. about Tom Hardy, and you chose to spend most of your research time well, on I'm saying This I Means didn't, War. I didn't want to watch any of the other films, because they were either about the war, they were about crims or gangsters, or like it was, I would say, like a novelty role, which is him talking to himself in a car, him oh being my the Cray God. twins. Right. So I mean, right. I didn't want to watch any of those. So this is the film that I'm going to talk about, <laughs> and I think that's fair enough. Okay, I'm gonna. Yeah, no, that that's. He's that's, just like he's fine. just not my guy. He's just like he's just not what I'm into. I don't, I, I don't like people who are sort of like up themselves and take themselves too seriously, and I think he really does. And I, and I think the more you read and research about it, it's like yeah, yeah, no, you are like you are a good actor, but I, you know, I'm never going to be rooting for him. Well, he's not an underdog. He's never an underdog in any of it. Not like or, I do for Tom Cruise in the first like the the first quarter of Venom when he is trying. They try and position him as an underdog, and it doesn't make sense because you don't you don't buy oh, that yeah. he, you don't buy that he's a wimpy loser because he's Tom Hardy. Like it doesn't make sense. No. Um, Although, but he's only five foot nine, so he is quite wimpy. 
They're almost five foot nine. And that is, that's the myth that Tom Hardy's managed to build about himself, that he's like a massive man, and he's not. Well, he's a normal, he's a very normal man. He's a very normal posh man I, with a chip on his shoulder who pretends to, to be from the streets. And I find that annoying. But, you know, so like, so that is why I'm talking about this means war. But if you're not going to let me talk about it, then I won't. No, I don't. Look, it's not that I don't want to let you talk about the... I just think not that many people have seen it. And, you know, there's no. quite a lot of funny things that are in it. But okay. you go ahead and do your notes. Well, look, in which case, it seems to me that maybe we should have a part one that is a, a brief whiz through some of Tom Hardy's other roles and then a detailed deep dive into This Means War, one of the lowest rated films on Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I think, it, I think it, I, I'm absolutely sure it'll be the lowest rated film he's ever been involved in as an actor. Uh, okay, so my first note, uh, which is quite... Uh, abstract I just went accents violence comedy I think you can't watch a lot of Tom uh, Hardy yeah. films I've put, put inconsistent accent but you mean his accent <laughs> yeah that's interviews. true yeah yeah like I, I think like he's definitely and I think it's really interesting that you said that he's like he pretends to be from the means you definitely in his interviews he positions himself as like so we just watched that video, didn't we, of him and Riz Ahmed that they did for um, for Venom, where they were doing like London, London slang. And Riz Ahmed's from Wembley, and uh, and they're they're sort of talking about London slang, and Tom Hardy sort of slips into this, yeah, the Rogers, the filth, yeah, the yeah, the old ow. and if you're involved in a fight, like you might have to mm-hmm. slap some slag if they like. He's definitely his entire career has in some way been like intention with the idea of like real London men who do real London tough man stuff and I think he does do it very plausibly like and actually I'm sure he could beat the shit out of me you know he's five foot nine I'm five foot ten so I've got a bit of a height advantage yeah exactly but he's like Jesus Christ like when you see some of the films that he is um he's been in when he's been in shape for them like um what is it the warrior which I I didn't re-watch but which I watched at the time it's just utterly insane. Like, he's just a monster. He's just this giant, shouldered, muscular freakazoid of a man. And I genuinely believe he could kill someone with his bare hands, physically. Yeah, but I... Yeah, I agree, but I find it a bit annoying. Have you watched Bronson? Well, and apparently he only put on £15 for that role. So I don't know how that's possible if he transforms his body so much. But I, maybe he turned a lot of fat to muscle or something. I would. I always want this podcast to be useful to people. I want it to give them actual, yeah. like, you know, things they can take away. And I would say, like, if you haven't seen the film Bronson with Tom Hardy in it, watch Bronson. It is kind of a pretty astonishing film. Like, I don't know if you, like, I don't know if everyone will enjoy it, but it, there's a sort of singularity and a purity of purpose about it in that, um, you know, it, it, it's shot in a really interesting singular way. It, it has no interest in, like, narratives of redemption or explanation for why a damaged person becomes damaged and how they might come out the other end of it. It is just a film length of someone who's incredibly damaged being damaged but it's like a comedy at points. It's ge- genuinely brilliant and interesting. Uh, and he is, you know, he is... You can't imagine many other people carrying that film, uh, basic, I think. Well, I'm never going to watch it. I think you really like no, it. No, I wouldn't I really think... like it. 
But, and I just, you know... There's an amazing scene I where he gets someone to, like... I just think just the whole narrative of where it's like, oh, he plays these roles and he really inhabits these characters. And, like, in interviews, he refers to himself in the third person loads. And he... Does looks, he? I've yes, never seen him do that yes, in an interview. Yes, loads. What, well, as in, oh, this is what Tom... Ha- he'll, say, he'll refer to himself Tom for, like, in the third person what, Tom, a lot. What, yeah, Tom. when he's talking about his, like, method and the craft and stuff. But anyway, so I just think, oh... You know me, I just, I'm just like, be an actor, I don't need to have all this myth, like, behind it. You do, I hate, don't, you do hate the non-neurotypical I, as well. Oh, yeah, that, right. is, that is a thing that, is you know, you're very I'm clear just about like, that. I'm just, I just feel, what, why, why does, why do successful actors who are good at these types of roles have to be like, oh, you know, I'm so, like, dedicated to my craft that I'm a bit crazy. I'm just like, can't you just, you know just be a person who just works hard at their job and and that's fine because it's your job like you don't have to have all of this like the myth the man behind it that's why i don't like him but also i do i don't i also don't find him physically attractive johanna this is where i have to pull rank and talk about as a performer (laughs) um you know as as someone who has appeared uh in several school plays and so it understands the craft of acting <laughs> in a way that, I mean, I don't want to be insulted, but the, you'll never understand it. Um, I, I do think there is something about just like, like his physical energy when in a scene is utterly compelling a lot of the time. So whatever he has to do to G himself up into that like space, like he's, you know, he's... Um, I've not I've not watched what's the one where Leonardo DiCaprio gets raped by a bear? Oh, The Revenant. The Revenant. I've not watched Have you not The Revenant. Seen it? No. But I like I think Leonardo DiCaprio is not necessarily the same sort of style of actor, but I do think there is something about like when people trick themselves into a certain sort of yeah, like a like a, a sense of energy on the screen I mean, that I'd means they're Leo. very watchable. Oh, well, of course you do because he's basically like a little hairless baby man who you might believe that their genitals are smooth like a dolly's no, and that's, that's, that's you go. not true you go for an all-american you that's know that's not true because he's made he makes himself like you know he was like a beautiful boy who basically made himself ugly so that he could get leading man like roles essentially well, he's mean, not like good looking anymore he made him, he made himself ugly through the uh, constant mistreatment of beautiful women <laughs> i mean you know however stuart a life backwards I remember when that book came out, I was obsessed with it when it was a book, and then the BBC made it into a film. It's Benedict Cumberbatch. There's two roles in that. Based, well, there's there's other roles as well, but the two main roles are like posh guy yeah. who meets homeless guy yeah. that Benedict Cumberbatch plays before he's famous. Yeah. And homeless guy who's been through unimaginable kind of like um, things that have sort of shaped him into, you know, like there's a bit in the book where they talk about the idea that like, everyone always thinks that they'll be the person that fixes someone that's homeless. That, 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 that yeah. All that homeless person has, has been missing is them. And that's obviously nonsense. The reason someone is homeless is because the shape of their life has been the right shape to fall through every safety net they, that's ever been sort of put in front of them. And, like, Tom Hardy is utterly amazing in it. And he's, like, he's, like, scary and chaotic and utterly believable as someone that is, like... At any minute is able to like this guy's like his his uh his adult life has been like um quite sp- 
sporadic but relatively frequent like episodes of violence in which he's had to be restrained and sectioned and, and institutionalised. And so you utterly believe that Tom Hardy is capable of that. But then there's also this sort of gentleness at the heart of it. And the whole film is Tom Hardy, oh, Alexander, he does the whole film. It's like, oh, well, no, I think... Oh, well, I'd be interesting to see, and like, it's genuinely like it's a brilliant film. I can't, there's, no, I cannot believe that you would not love that film if you watched it. And I just think it is definitely not something I would choose to watch now. Now, in this day what? and age, in with this everything that's going on, I just, uh, yeah, I can't. Oh, I, I literally just can't see myself ever, ever watching that film. Fine, I mean, for the for the listener at home. Definitely watch Stuart A Life Backwards. Definitely watch Bronson. That is an amazing film too. Uh, I also just wanted to flag up that 2015, the year 2015 for Tom Hardy was an amazing year in his career. I just want to read you out the films he was in. Uh, Child 44. Uh, I don't think it was a particularly successful film, but it was a massive book that was about um, a serial killer in kind of Stalinist Russia. Mad Max that we've that we've discussed, uh, pretty good film to be in. Um, Legend, where he played both of the Cray twins <laughs> digitally. Uh, the I Revenant. Mean, actually, I want to pause and watch some of that because I've never seen it. Oh my god, we have to watch the violent. It's very violent. You don't really like violence in films, do you? I I can't think of anything worse than watching a film about the Crays. I mean, all right, we will. Right, we will. So we can go into more detail on that. However, in the middle of that year, the film that came out was a film called London Road, which was is it a, a musical? Is a musical yeah. which is based on transcribed interviews with people in Ipswich about a serial killer. Guardian gave it five stars. I'm just saying he's got range. Well, he's got range. I would like to talk about his 1999 mixtape, which is actually very good, where he was like basically a rapper. And put together loads of songs. I'll play you some of it. Oh, hang on, yeah, because he has it's a actually mice- really good. This, this is his MySpace page still exists. Is that a thing? I mean, there's lots of photos floating around from his yeah. MySpace page um, of just him in his pants. I think. So, just coming back to this, my my interpretation of a good man is hardly to find is that in fact Thomas Hardy throughout his career has been playing with roles in which good and evil are very ambiguous, very blurred, very complicated. And when he plays a baddie, there's a charisma that like balances it. And when he plays a good character, like there's something about them, there's some violence, there's some dark thing there too. That's that was my that's my reading of a good man is hardy to find. That was part one of A Good Man is Hardy to Find. And just before we start part two, I'd like to play you a snippet of Tommy Number One and Eddie Too Tall, taken from their album Falling on Your Ass in 1999. This is Tom Hardy's trip hop project from back in the day.
part two of the good man <laughs> is hardy to find. He sound like Michael Caine. No, that's Tom that Hardy. That sounds like Michael Caine. That's his, that's his little gentle but psychopath he's been, voice. But he's been in a lot of films with Michael Caine, so he maybe you learn from be. him. They, they, they've all been in a load of like gangstery films where they're all trying to find the humanity in a gangster. That's his, And that is what I don't need to watch. I don't need to, I, love. I don't need to see like... The story of a poor white gangster. <laughs> well, as a poor white, Jerry. as a man, as a man whose upbringing was like... as a poor white gangster. I mean, that just it speaks to me. You know, check your privilege that you, you know, you, your your horizons were higher <laughs> and further than mine. Uh, welcome back to the second part of A Good Man Is Hardy to Find. Uh, we thought we'd do uh, the whole second half would mainly be uh, a monologue by Johanna about. <laughs> It this might means be war. <laughs> this means war. No, but well, what did we watch in the break? We saw. Oh, yeah. I showed Jamie a clip of Tom Hardy reading a bedtime story out on CBeebies, highest yeah. rated celebrity. I loved it. Um, I loved it. reading bedtime stories to children. Very loud fleece on, but I still loved it. Um, you criticised him again for having for code switching, which I think well, no, is I said unfair. I said is that his real voice? Well, I no, find it unnerving to not know what someone's real voice is. There are very few people that I've ever met that like cling as like closely to their the one accent that they have as you. I think this is like your your unique experience of life is that you've just gone through life sounding like you, which is in <laughs> a way incredibly brave. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Could you just set up for us the plot? of this meeting. Oh uh, yeah, no what I will. Um, this is this is the film that I've chosen to talk about. Yeah. So um the lowest rated film Tom Hardy's ever been I don't in think so. He's probably been in a lower rated film. I think that London Road now that we've listened to him uh, singing got five star yeah. got five star review in the Guardian. <laughs> but that doesn't yeah. mean, you know, I'd like to see the, the, the scores it got Metacritic. The user score. You base yeah. your decision on the I okay, don't fine. base my decision fine. on that, but fine. you know the plot is that Chris Pine and Tom Hardy are CIA agents. In the opening scene, they there's a pair of brothers that they are meant to sort of track down and get, and they end up killing one, which means the other one is out for revenge. Totally. Which means that they are desked for the rest of the year, <laughs> that they are not allowed out in the field. Right. Tom Hardy... Um, has a son and an ex-wife right. and um, he wants to spend time with the son yeah. and he sort of says to the ex-wife why don't we have dinner together as a family and she's like no I've got a date and all this so it's bitch. very sad what a bitch. Um, so Chris Pine says to him well they both actually are at home separately and an advert comes on the TV it's fate.net which is an online dating site that they both see an advert for and right. they sign up. Well, uh, Tom Hardy signs up and Chelsea Handler signs up Reese Witherspoon and they end up matching on itsfate.net. All three of them. No, so Tom Hardy goes on a date with Reese Witherspoon. Right. He has a fun date with her. Basically, the thing that's propelling Reese is that her ex fiance has a new girlfriend and she keeps bumping into him around town. Right. So that's sort of why she wants to get a new boyfriend. It's really boring. But anyway, she what? has this date with Tom Hardy and after seeing Tom Hardy... Who is English she, in the film, right? Yeah, he's, he's English, English in the film. Yeah. So Rarely once, for Tom like, Hardy. Once she's seen film, Tom Hardy, she literally goes to 
like a DVD rental store. I mean, this is 2012. There are no DVD rental stores, are there? She starts looking at films and then Chris Pine sidles up to her and starts chatting her up. Right. And that's how they meet, basically. But does he already know that Tom Hardy is the crack? He knows. No, like... no, he knows that Tom Hardy's on a date in the area. Right. And was sort of going to go and have a look at what was going on, but he never actually saw Reese Witherspoon. So they meet her completely separately. Right. Then they both put their individual teams into looking into her background and get like everything printed up. Oh, that's and then creepy. I know, and then the yeah. next day they go, they go, why? Okay, let's show each other the girl that we like. And they both just have these like A4 sheets of like, you know, all this information about her and her photo. And they're like, oh no, we like the same girl. And then it just sort of all deteriorates from there. Well, yeah, they just have whole surveillance teams following her. They go into her house to like put bugs everywhere. It's not exactly, uh, you know, it wouldn't fly nowadays. That big scene that was central to the film about how she eats a kiwi fruit. Remember that? Oh, I don't remember that. Reese Witherspoon. What, in that film? She's a kiwi? Reese Witherspoon. Oh, Witherspoon. Oh, <laughs> that's not funny. Um, and then my only other note is, is this Tom Hardy's true accent? You are obsessed. Okay, I... I'm not obsessed with it. I just wonder. And then... What's... One day I'll show you like... the footage of Steve McLaren speaking with a Dutch accent and you'll just understand the pressure on men... To inhabit like an accent that like makes sense in the context that they're in. We ha- but the thing is, is like I don't know anything about that man, so I don't care. Is that Tom like Tom Hardy it comes across as I'm very secure and like confident and like sure of myself. So it's like, well then don't like then that's fact like don't put don't don't put on accents all the time. Well, I think have you, you know. ever okay I we went to the same university they're not really at the same time we overlap for a small amount of time and you yeah. were very rude to me once but did you never meet posh boys that call people like mate in a really like faux working class way like mate mate yeah. no mate oh I mate. don't like it but that's the thing no. I don't like okay. people like so, that <laughs> so part like there's a big thing about like masculinity which is like that like poshness is unless you're very proudly posh like poshness is you need to soften it a bit and be a little bit you know, sort of like estuarine and, and like, yeah, because that's tougher and that's more authentic and you've earned your life more. And like, clearly he's, he's not as working class as he makes out, but equally like, don't think he's not like little Lord Fonch. There's clearly, he's got a thing about how much of a, like an authentic working class man he is. And every film, he's not every film, but pretty much every film he's ever been in has at the heart of it, some sort of like, physical class tension how much of a man am i how violent am i like he's like working well, no, through well, that I mean, yeah. but those and are, you're very bored of that but i mean those like, are just themes that i'm not interested in I'm, I'm not interested in a man struggling like with those issues it's just not something no, I'm, and I'm not going to say that i would choose to watch and so i'm not going to say just, in 2020 you know, it feels like the most urgent no, subject exactly. matter so but i find it yeah i also i don't i don't think he's being false I think that actually what I'm not makes saying he's him... being false. I'm just saying I would rather that he was either... I mean, I like him posh. I like him posh in Inception. Yeah. So okay. I'm but saying again, if he talked like Inception all the time, I'd be happy. But I think or even in Inception or, when he's being you know, posh, there's a bit of rough about him. Bloody hell. That was loud. 
Mm, even the, was that the pipe with the boiler even when he's being posh there's a bit of rough about him when he's being common yeah. there's a little he'll go into he'll slip into a posh oh oh well like um the his thing about when he's playing both craze we just watched all right we just tried to watch the most famous scene from legend the pub scene in the in the the richardson pub where they the richardson send some guys in to beat ronnie and reggie up and Jan had to leave the room because she could intuit that violence was in the air. Well, this is the thing. I don't like violence for the sake of violence. That's why a lot of the films I wouldn't, of his films I wouldn't watch. But I would say that a lot of his films are about the experience of violence. That's not violence for the sake of violence in that a lot of his films are about violence in lots of ways. They're about like... Well, I just don't choose to watch films that I would have my eyes closed for most of them. That's all. And we just watched like a two-minute clip of the craze and yeah. i had my eyes closed for most of it no you were a violence baby. well because i just feel like they're gonna glass someone every any they, minute they definitely did immediately as soon as you left the room like reggie glass oh, someone of course they would i don't yeah. yeah i don't like it yeah that i mean like you know look you look i got look you're in a fight <laughs> you're in a pub you're in a fight in a pub what are you going to grab? What's near you? You're not going to grab saying, a pillow, saying, are you? Like, You're not going to grab a cushion. You grab a glass. But this is the thing. So I feel like Tom Hardy appeals to men because of who he is and the things that he embodies. Fine. Do you know what I mean? Okay, fine. To you, he's a com- you know he's a complicated man who's showing you like the nuances of things. Fine. Yeah. And then to women, there's like some women who are like that's interesting to them fine not a lot of yeah. women but i will say some women are then a lot of women are like oh he's fit and then i just fall yeah. into the category of i don't find him physically attractive or and those themes, yeah those themes to me yeah. are interesting and therefore that leaves me with like inception and like dark knight rises and like mad max basically where it's what? more you know i also just think you would like other films but you've decided that you're not interested in <laughs> The homeless or I just working class to watch people or why now i don't know what what was everything's really depressing yeah but that like it's a beautiful uplifting film about the potential of like friendship to like save someone's life like it's lovely oh, yeah, and he's an know. underdog and he really comes out the other end of that process yeah oh, i don't know i'll think about it i just think i can't listen to you because as bad as that film is what film? The one we were just talking about. This means war. This yeah. is war. This war is coming. Um, I mean, it's bad. It's very bad. So the end scene, I, wa- I re-watched the, uh, f- not famously, but I remember that the end scene, there's a moment when the three of them, a, a, a car comes spinning towards them or something. Yeah. And the, the film very deliberately, like, you can't see. And she could. she's in the middle. The car's coming down a freeway, spinning towards her, and she she has to choose to go yeah. towards one of them yeah, or the other of them. Yeah, she goes to Chris Pine. And which one? She goes to Chris Pine. But then there's, after the film runs, there's the after-scene credits of alternate endings. Oh. One of which is where she goes to... Uh, um, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. And one of which, hilariously, is where it cuts up and she's on her own and they've gone to each other. And so the two guys oh, go that's to funny. Yeah. Because it, they, like, they have got more yeah. chemistry together than no, they have so with her. I, but what I'm so. saying is that I think in your head, if you were Reese Witherspoon, you would have gone to Chris Pine, wouldn't you? Of course you? I would. That is insane. Chris Pine is a mutant. Like, like he's made of lead. He's There's nothing well, about him that's at all film, interesting Tom or charismatic. Because in the film, Tom Hardy's family then see him on the news as a CIA agent and then they're like, oh, we accept and we take you back 
and then the ex-wife is like let's go to dinner as a family and then they oh, get married again okay. so yeah, that's why that, but... so that's basically why but you would still pick pine over hardy I think because you like a you like a you like a college quarterback with no you yeah, know Tom Hardy's just not my type. You like a you know your favorite X Men character is um what's it called what's the it laser eyes laser eyes Cyclops. Cyclops. Yeah, I mean that's insane. Um, I just I I just prefer uncomplicated men who aren't fake. Cyclops, you can't, nothing fake about him, he's authentic, he's just, no. like, I shoot lasers out of my eyes, he doesn't have, do you know what I mean? He doesn't have the he's, imagination, he's to even, well, yeah, he can't be in between things, because like he just like, doesn't have the imagination I'm like, I don't want to deal with all, like, I don't want to deal with people being mad, Not I'm, mad do you know what I mean, this isn't what I want to fill like, my life with. You know, a bit of with. energy, a bit of something. Is it worth it though? I don't I, think I look, can put up with Tom Hardy's voices I, all the time. I'd rather fuck Wolverine than Cyclops. That's oh all I'm God. saying. That's no, all I'm you... saying. I absolutely oh my would. God. Like not, not like I mean. That there's... is completely insane to me. I just think he'd be better. He'd do better. He'd do better. He lay. wouldn't. Definitely would. He's awful. He's. I think Wolverine's a terrible character. He's very selfish, and that's what I look well, for in a lover. <laughs> but anyway, she goes for Chris Pine. I mean, Chris Pine is what's it in Star Trek? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I know. He's and, brilliant as Captain and, Kirk. And it's such a missed opportunity that he couldn't just cast an actor who's not. Uh, he looks like a hammerhead shark, and it freaks me out. And I don't. What want else to has see he been in, Chris Pine? Uh, I want to defend him a bit more. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember. Do you know what? I didn't. Uh, Apart from Star Trek, not hang that on. Much. Was he? Has he ever been in a film with Tom Hardy? I'm trying to think of one that he's been in with him. Because I've immediately forgotten him. I'll tell you, as... I do like who Tom Hardy st- has starred with in Twice, which is in Peaky Blinders and Inception. I do like Killian Murphy. Yeah, because he's complicated and ambiguous and demanding, and there's a violence, there's a hint of violence. He's interesting. He's, you know, I can't believe I have to describe charisma to you, like, structurally. Whereas Chris Pine is just a man with a face, it's different. Well, I'm not doing one of these about Chris Pine. I'm not. I mean, I haven't. Although his name lends itself towards many puns. puns. I haven't thought Um, of a pun about him. But yeah, I've. Look, for whatever reason. Pine after pine. (laughs) Maybe I'm just too similar to Tom Hardy, and that's the problem. That's the thing. I see myself in him, and I'm like, oh, it'd never work. What? uh, That's it. A big lipped code switcher. (laughs) You're just a big lipped code switcher. Yeah, I, I get that. Um. Yeah, and also his, uh, often his hair looks quite like your hair, I think. If, when, he get, when he gets long hair, it's very similar. Um, all right, Has he had so, long hair? He's uh, never had long uh, hair because no, he's always no. playing a, like, a criminal or a gangster or something or someone with short hair. Or like, grow my hair? You know. <laughs> oh, no. No. I can't grow my hair. Uh, do you have any closing remarks? Do you, do you have anything that, you know... Well, let me just check that I haven't finished. I haven't missed anything. Let me look at my notes as well, because I overall I genuinely feel like uh, the career of Tom Hardy is a career that any actor would be proud of having. So yeah, yeah. I I mean, I agree with that. I think it's a very good career. It's just not a career that I'm invested in, and the and films I want to watch. But you know. But as we've established, that might be because you're just too similar. Exactly. That's the thing. Look, I'm not just saying this because I was uh, at least 50% 
of that episode. I thought that was genuinely entertaining. Very good. No, it was, it was. And if you'd like to hear more, please do go to our website, punningonempty.com, where you can um, vote on future episode titles. Um, actually, we can get some up now that we can... Should I demonstrate yeah. something, Jamie? Yeah, well, I think um, so. Also... And also, please do follow us on Instagram, where we're also called um, Punning on Empty, where there'll be a bit of daily interaction. We'll have some posts going up. I have an idea that in our stories I will be putting up quizzes about films and that I'm also going to be doing a bit of a live segment during our recording. So give us a follow. Um, some of the episode titles that we have are Morse Code. Inspector Morse gave us the keys to the universe. Jo join us as we uncover it. Or Ice Ice JJ. Scenes from JJ Abrams films and episodes from his series that take place in a cold environment. Pit of Despair, where we explore Brad Pitt's darkest moments in film. Uh, Ruddy Marvellous, a celebration of Paul Rudd. What Goes Around, Comes Aaron, <laughs> the films of Aaron Sorkin. And Sophia So Good, are Sophia Coppola films any good? But vote on any of those, but also feel free to suggest any. If you pun it, we'll do it. Mm -hmm.